five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Gary Wright, my love is alive. There is so much to like about that video. Where do I begin? Well, why don't we go back and go through a few frames together so I can show my full appreciation for that video. Good morning. Welcome to another edition of 15 Minutes of Flame. If you're uh, on board the SS Yataria. You uh, were just witness to Gary Wright doing kind of a mashup version of Love is Alive. So that performance was actually from the Midnight Special. Um, you got to, you know, God bless Bert Sugarman in the Midnight Special. Because we would not have a lot of these performances without that show. And, um, you know, some of the bands that were on the Midnight Special were, yeah, a little dubious at times. But it is a record of American musical history. There was a, a period, I think, around 20, might have been 2018 or 2019. I was like, uh, I was very into going back and watching these Midnight Special shows. Because a lot of, the, I mean, the, the, the entire shows are intact in some cases on YouTube, but you got to love this video. Let me, let me just go back into this thing for a second. If you're listening on the uh, podcast, welcome. You're about to get a visual description of what we just saw. So the Kung Fu Mamas, you have to love the Kung Fu Mamas. The visual around this are these, uh, Two fairly striking, high cheekboned, long haired backup singers playing cowbell and tambourine, uh, dressed in these silk, looks like silk kung fu outfits, shaking their booties and uh, giving the, uh, the background vocals to uh, Gary Wright's. Space Yacht Masterpiece. And then Gary Wright. I mean, look at what Gary Wright is wearing. The guy is rocking these, and they're kind of hard to notice. But if you zoom in a little bit, like right there, he's wearing these knee-high silver boots that have red wings on the side. And he's got this kind of white tunic on these white... He looks like a space, like a British elf in space, a British version, 
an elfin space British version of Elvis. I think Gary Wright had Elvis fantasies and he's kind of living them out here, but the space version of it, it's a great tune. And uh, I remember back in the day, Gary Wright was on the, uh, the bill for the Dan the Greens, which we had in uh, the Bay area. And the Dan the Green was a massive arena rock concert. They don't have them anymore. I think the problem now is that, it would cost too much money to do that extravaganza. And I remember one of the first day in the greens, I think was Fleetwood Mac, Peter Frampton, uh, Eddie money and Gary, Wright. I'm not completely sure about that, but I know that there was a combination of all of them at one point. And Gary, Wright would always, open the the Dan the Greens. Like that was his kind of thing. Oh, look, it's like he has devil horns there. Look at that. I didn't notice that. <laughs> He's got his head right in the center of the Y. And it looks like he has either devil horns or some kind of elfin, glowing elfin red neon effect. My God. Anyway, we are cruising into the uh, Yacht Noir space yacht zone. As we pull the uh, SS Yataria, getting ready to put her into the dock. Thursday will be the uh, last official Yataria show as we move into the uh, the fall. And uh, I know that there are some people out there who will whoop and stomp and say, thank God. Hey, listen, at least I didn't play Captain Antonio. All right. There was no Captain Antonio. There's no air supply. I was on the fence with Little River Band. Just couldn't pull it. But we have some delicious yacht noir ahead of us. And Gary Wright did make it to the uh, space yacht list twice. Twice. And that Dreamweaver record was amazing. I mean, it was you know, spacey, atmospheric, funky stuff. And Gary Wright had been a, a member of the English band Spooky Tooth. And um, I had a copy of one of their records called The Mirror, which was pretty fucking amazing as far as the record goes. And I can't find that now. Like, it's really hard to find. I went through Spooky Tooth's catalog on YouTube. I could not find The Mirror. It's a really, really good record. Anyway, a little step back into time. I was trying to figure out what sign is Gary Wright, you know? I mean, he's kind of rocking the Leo hair, but he's also kind of rocking the Aquarian. I don't care. Uh, he's got a bit of a wide face, right? So he might look a little bit like a cancer with that face. Possibly, possibly Taurus with those uh, red ears. <laughs> he kind of fits in the Capricorn camp. Uh, we should run a poll. What sign do you think Gary Wright was? Let me just look him up now. Let's see. Gary Wright. He's still around. Oh, he has a sign called, he has a song called Water Sign. How about that? 
April 26th. He's a, he's a Taurus, right? What did I say? He has that kind of squarish, thick, roundish, not really quite round, but um, he's, he's a Taurus. And he's an American, and he played in Spooky Tooth, which I believe um, was an English band. So let's get into Gary Wright's uh, details here. Gary Malcolm Wright, here, I'll throw it up on uh, the screen share, since I know that you're deeply interested in the bio details of Gary Wright. An American musician and composer best known for his 1976 hit songs, Dreamweaver and Love is Alive, and for his role in helping establish the synthesizer as a leading instrument in rock pop music. As a kid, I was really into the synth. Uh, Wright's breakthrough album, The Dreamweaver, came after he spent seven years in London as alternately member of the British rock blues rock band Spooky Tooth and a solo artist on A&M Records. While in England, he played keyboards, uh, former Beatle George Harrison's triple album, All Things Must Pass. So beginning a friendship that inspired the Indian religious themes and spiritually inherent, that are spiritually inherent in Wright's subsequent songwriting. His work since the late 1980s has embraced world music and the new age genre. Although none of his post-1976 releases have matched the same level of popularity as the Dreamweaver. A former child actor, Wright performed on Broadway in the hit musical Fanny before studying medicine and then psychology in New York and Berlin. After meeting Chris Blackwell of Island Records in Europe, the vampire, uh, Wright moved to London where he helped establish Spooky Tooth as a popular live act. He also served as the band's Principal songwriter in their recordings, among them the well-regarded album Spooky 2, You Broke My Heart So I Busted Your Jaw. His solo album, Footprint, 1971, recorded with contributions from Harrison, coincided with the formation of Wright's short-lived band Wonder Wheel, which included Mick Jones. That's Mick Jones, a foreigner, by the way. Also during the early 1970s, Wright played on notable recordings by B.B. King, Jerry Lee Lewis, Ringo Starr, Harry Nilsson, and Ronnie Spector, while his musical association with Harrison endured until shortly before the latter's death. Wright turned to film soundtrack work in the early 1980s, including his most popular song, Dreamweaver, for the 1992 comedy Wayne's World. Following Spooky Tooth's reunion tour in 2004, Wright has performed live frequently either as a member of Star's All-Star Band, that's Ringo Star, with his own live band or on subsequent Spooky Tooth reunions. Wright's most uh, recent solo albums, including Waiting to Catch the Light and Connected, have all been issued on Lark Leo, the Lark Leo record label. In 2014, Jeremy B. P. Tarcher published Wright's autobiography, Dreamweaver, Music, Meditation, and My Friendship with George Harrison. So Gary Wright, um, oh, look at this. Here's a little Gary Wright trivia. Gary Wright was born and raised in Crestkill, New Jersey, a child actor. He made his TV debut at the age of seven on the Captain Video and his Video Rangers. Filmed in New York, he appeared in TV and radio commercials for being offered a part in the 1954 Broadway production of the musical Fanny. 
Wright played the role of Cesario, the son of Fanny, who was played by a future Brady Bunch matriarch, Florence Henderson. He spent two years with the production during which he performed with Henderson on the Ed Sullivan Show. Having studied piano and organ, Wright led various local rock bands while attending Tenafly High School in Tenafly, New Jersey. In 1959, he made his first commercial recording with Billy Markle at NBC Radio's New York Studios. Credited to Gary and Billy, the single Working After School was released on 20th Century Fox Records. See music as too unstable a career choice, as he later put it. Wright studied to become a doctor at the College of William and Mary in Virginia, at New York University before attending Downstate Medical College for a year, all the while continuing to perform with local bands, having specialized in psychology in New York. He then went to West Germany in 1966 to complete his studies at the Free University of Berlin. Pretty talented guy, Gary Wright. How about that? And he is still doing his thing. I'm sure he is on tour somewhere. The guy's been making music for as long as I've been born. Welcome to the show. It is another uh, wonderful day here on the Dock of the Bay. And we're going to get into some interesting uh, material as uh, the world is rapidly accelerating into a uh, vortex of more chaos but at the time there's some interesting things that are that are coming out of the chaos you were in this aquarian wave right now and the things that look like they're going to go in one direction actually wind up going in another direction i'm going to play you as a as a as a kind of a, a example of that i'm going to play you a clip from Don Lemon's interview was last night or the night before we start talking about reparations and the whole thing goes completely south and sideways and Lemon does not know what to do. It's the kind of world we're living in now. So for all the people who are hanging on by their fingernails out there and uh, believe that we are moving into the darkest of the dark winters that Joe Biden predicted, um, have, have a little faith and have a little heart. Keep a candle lit because things aren't always what they seem. And there's a lot more opportunity uh, in small ways to reverse the polarity, the pole shift, the pole shift of our consciousness and the pole shift of, of our reality itself is, um, is in play. It's all the Aquarian stuff. Speaking of Aquarian, let's take a little trip over to True Hemp Science. And I, you know, I was thinking about what I was going to say today about True Hemp Science because I'd like to have a relevant story here. If you're uh, listening to the podcast, I've just taken us into the primordial, green, lush, verdant wonderland that is the most relaxing splash page I've ever entered into. And I was thinking about this whole idea of hemp. And if you go back to the roots of this country, hemp played a huge role in the roots of this country. 
it was a plant that was abundant everywhere. You know, cannabis played a role too. I mean, let's not, you know, beat around the bush here. Uh, but hemp and cannabis were some of the staples of the new world, right? They were some of the staples of the new world. That the this whole idea of the colonies, both north and south, were able to tap into this plant and begin to explore the, the multivariant uses for the uh, hemp plant. And then out of that comes things like fabrics, of course, textiles in the fabric uh, category. I think they might've even printed money on hemp. I could be wrong about that, but it wouldn't be, wouldn't surprise me. Uh, it is a extremely resilient, all purpose plant that grows incredibly quick. The only thing you need for hemp really is, is water. It does take a lot of water, but with hemp in the background, the, uh, the colonies got their feet on the ground. So it was a plant and a staple that's connected to the formation of a, of a new world, right? If we're going down that, that path. So here we are again, you know, we're knocking on the door of a new world as the old one around us begins to collapse, fall apart, become part of a controlled demolition. And what do we see the emergence of? We see the emergence of the plant that was there at the beginning. And now we have the medicinal potential of CBD, which is also part of the hemp plant. And True Hemp Science, which is uh, the business run by my buddy Chris, Christopher Lynch, who will be at the event uh, in October. Um, it seems to be an echo of that story. You know, because the response to Chris's product in this world has been tremendous. And so, you know, I'd like to think that we have a new world that is coming, something I've always lived with as an idea as a child. Even as a child, I believed that there would be a new world. And uh, I, I don't think hemp is not a part of that story. I think it's woven into the fabric. Like how I did that? It is woven into the fabric and the tapestry of this country and the world. I mean, let's face it. Canada was way ahead of the U S when it came to hemp, you know, it was, it, it was, it was nice and expedient for the United States to um, decriminalize the growing of hemp for world war two. But as soon as world war two was over, they criminalized it again. Never happened in Canada. And I remember when I first started to discover hemp products back in the 90s, you, there were people that were making clothing out of hemp, uh, notebooks out of hemp, hemp cheese, right? And most of them were from Canada because Canada didn't have the same restrictions that the U.S. had. And Europe as well had a very different relationship with the plant. So now it is ubiquitous and we have hemp products and we, we have CBD. So it's a part of our story again. And, um, and I think what Chris is doing, and there are a lot of other hemp, there are a lot of CBD companies out there. There are a lot of, there are a lot of shows that have their CBD sponsors. And um, I'm just thrilled to have Chris and his product line as a part of our show. Uh, and not only because it's good, but because 
he's a good dude and he does really, really good work. And a lot of you have met him and or spoken with him uh, personally on the phone. I mean, how, you know, how often does that happen? When you get on the phone and you get to talk to the guy who started the company and get advice from that person in terms of the product, it's generally, it's generally not a thing. I don't know how he does it, but he manages to uh, keep all these balls in the air and remain accessible for people. So here's the deal. If you spend $100 at uh, True Hemp Science uh, and you type in the words, what is words and number? 15 mins. It's a 1.5 in M-I-N-S. When you check out, you'll get free product. In $150 or more, you get free shipping. And if you're listening on the podcast, uh, you can go to truehemscience.com backslash ref backslash 23. And uh, that'll take you right into the uh, 15 minutes of flame zone and let your fingers do the shopping. All right. Let's get into Chataria. Always great to be able to uh, come back here on Tuesday and uh, get things going. So let's see, who do we have here? Sony's in the house. What's going on, Sony? Wendy's here. Hi, Wendy. Here's my man, Tomas. Uh, Ryan. Miss Nakia is here. Who else do we have? Floor to door. What's going on? My man, Steve, will be talking to you sometime today. Kabuki Theater. Bo. Good to see you. CC Jones, Fran, another blast from the past. That's right. Getting our little Gary right on. I remember when I was a kid, I had these neighbors across the street. We had these neighbors, the, the Harrisons. And I used to go over to the Harrisons and hang out with them. And um, Dave Harrison uh, and his buddy, these, you know, they were older. The da- Dave was the dad, and then there was the younger Dave. So there were the three Harrison boys, Dave Harrison and his buddy. And I'd go over there, and the, they had a, uh, an AFX race car set. And I would play these AFX race cars with them. And they would listen to stuff like Parliament and P-Funk, right? And that's where I first got my dose of Parliament was over at the Harrisons. And Dave and his buddy would, uh, on Sunday... They'd watch NFL football and break out the old English, was the old English 800 or whatever it was called. That beer, oh my God. I That was my first, old English was my first bad drunk. That was my first bad drunk when I wound up puking on that beer. Not good. Anyway, I'd go over there and I'd, I'd listen to... Uh, They'd be playing P-Funk in the back parliament. I'm like, man, I really like this. I like this parliament shit. So I was listening to Gary Wright, and I had an A-track in Gary Wright. And I think they had an A-track player. And I brought Gary Wright over, thinking that they would really like the bass line and the funk and everything. And they, they kind of snickered and laughed at Gary Wright. I was like, oh, shit. Maybe I didn't read the room. I didn't read the room right. Okay, who else we have? We got Mark. We got uh, the Prince Valiant hairstyle. I know, right? Gary Wright had some had some style, some weird style, but cool style. Hucklebuck's here. What's going on, Huck? 
Anna Sophia. It's a name you sing, Anna Sophia. Let's see who else we have. Uh, I think it was 1976. Chris and Steve, what's going on? Good to see the dynamic duo here. Looks like Liam Gallagher a little bit. He might have taken on some of that, uh, that those English genetics through osmosis. Maurice 100. Gary Wright was playing a little uh, portable synth, which I think would later become the keytar. My coffee hasn't kicked in yet. You've gone over my head, Diana. I think Diana, Princess Diana, perhaps, uh, kept all of us country kids in the loop. Oh, Midnight Special. Yeah. Friday night was great, man. Friday nights, you'd start with In Concert on ABC. That was the first time I saw David Bowie was on In Concert. I'd heard Space Oddity before, which I loved. And I saw David Bowie. It was the farewell tour of the uh, Spiders from Mars at uh, the Odeon in London. And that, uh, that show, it was the final show of the Spiders from Mars. And that was captured by D.A. Pennebreaker, the guy who did the Dylan documentary, Don't Look Back, if I'm not mistaken. So then you would go from in concert to Midnight Special. Friday nights were great for music. Because Midnight Special would come on after Carson. So I'd have to sacrifice Carson for in concert on Friday nights, which was fine. A lot of times Johnny would have a, a, a guest host on Friday night. And then on Saturday night, it'd be Don Kushner's rock concert. The good old days. More cowbell. Princess Diana is supposed to emerge alive today, become queen and lead the return. Uh, Joan of Arc-like, I have from multiple sources. And JFK Jr. will be there as well. JFK Jr. will be there as well. He'll be, he'll be there. And it's going to be the reuniting of Camelot. He raided Casey and the Sunshine Band's wardrobe. I think that might have been the other way around. Uh, let's see who else we have. Let's see. I think we got a full house. Captain and Teal must happen. Oh, I can't. I can't. Yes, and I avoided the Starland vocal band too. Chatter Moon Delight. I like that, Sony. The Yacht Music Rock. Well, we're transitioning. Gary Wright is the transition to Space space Yacht and uh, Dark Yacht or Yacht Noir. Mark M is here. He might have returned from his trek into the deep, deep part of the upper Yukon where he 
learned the secrets of the indigenous peoples. Let's see, what else do we have here? Uh, Leo King will lend us his equipment after a set. Mm, maybe. Undercover lover. Oh, yeah. Didn't I play that? Let's see, Atlanta Rhythm Section. I think I played that. I have Ball of Confusion alternate lyrics ready. Well, you'd have to come out here to be able to sing them. Janine's here. What's going on, Janine? Okay, the yacht's about to take off. Kelly B's on board. Okay, good, good, good. Last call. We got Ryan here, I think. I already mentioned Ryan. And um, let's see. Scrubbies. Tamar made it aboard. And bu, 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 bu. let's see. Anybody else? Hucklebuck, uh, 1941. Henry Ford presented a groundbreaking invention, this hemp-fueled and cellulose plastic prototype car. Yeah, Henry Ford was always a little ahead of the curve. Mark Matheny's here. What's going on, Mark? Jay Kaiser. Uh, mail the books. Thank you, Jake. We're going to get a little uh, Gucci to Goats giveaway, and we're going to have her back on and catch up with uh, our literary starlet. Nicholas Graham showing up here. The the uh, Chataria, SS Chataria, has not pulled out yet. Let's see. Anybody else? Cremo, Timothy. The world ends this weekend. It'll be at least on the Appalachian Trail in Pennsylvania while it's happening. There you go. All right. I think we have come to the end. We're all aboard, safe and snug. So it's time to shove off. Pull away from the dock. All right. Um, had a little bit of a getaway this weekend. That was really good. Much needed. There are some real people still left in the world outside the box. Not that you're not real, because I've met a lot of you. Uh, let's, um, why don't we slide into this Uniper thing? Because I think it's, it's worth talking about. Uniper is the leading procurer of gas, petroleum, uh, in Germany, and they've gone belly up. So the Germans have decided that they're going to seize Uniper. So this is this would be the equivalent of the United States um, taking control, the government taking control of Chevron. That's that's what it would be. Think of the implications of that. Now, remember, the definition of fascism is when governments and corporations merge. That is the definition of fascism. So what are we seeing? Everything is lining up with Germany now. Ever since the, there was the Jupiter return for World War II, 
which was what two weeks ago, Germany has become kind of the centerpiece now for this um, global conflict that were at least continental conflict, which could which could explode into a global conflict because of its relationship with Russia, Gazprom, um, Nord Stream shutting down. Russia shut down the supply of gas and fuel to Germany because of the sanctions. The sanctions that were put on Russia by the United States and by the EU. So what did Russia do? They said, EU, screw you. We're not going to give you any of our fuel. So in return, as a result of this, Uniper, by the way, do you like Uniper's symbol there with the eight, uh, with the uh, LGBTQIA plus flag? It's exactly what that is. So Uniper, since they couldn't get any fuel, uh, went belly up. If you don't have any product to sell, what good is the company? So now the Russian, the, the Russian, the German government has essentially uh, seized the assets too of Uniper, and it has an eerie echo of what happened in World War II. And you know, I am not a a, a Nazi basher, or I'm not somebody that runs the fascist flagpole up in the air and points my finger at fascist, fascist, fascist. I, that's not part of, because I think things are way more nuanced and complex than we understand. That said, it is very similar to what happened at the start of World War II and the, the seizing, of, uh, Nash, a seizing of private assets and making them national. It's also what they do, did in Venezuela what Hugo Chavez did. Although the difference with Chavez is that they actually had some uh, petroleum to nationalize. So this is starting to look and feel a lot more like what happened or what started to happen during World War II. Now, Germany also froze all remaining Russian assets inside the country because well, they're not getting their fuel. And, and the fuel costs now that are showing up in Europe and, and England are stratospheric, absolutely stratospheric. So this is a controlled demolition. This is what's happening here. They're going to make it so difficult, so difficult to do the uh, cost of business. To, you know, it's just going to, it's going to price, it's going to price the, the little the little guy right out of the marketplace. I read a story last week where I think in it was in uh, London somebody was charging twenty dollars for a pint of beer, the equivalent, and that's that's for them to cover their power bill. So we're watching this thing happen in Europe right now, and it's only going to get worse. But now you have this echo of Uniper. Uh, being essentially taken over by the government. Let me see if I can find the story. 
and I'm 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 interested in the story because of its relationship with this whole World War II reanimation and narrative. So this is from Reuters. I always love these pictures of uh, natural gas burning, especially when they have one of those movies where somebody took LSD and then thought that this was a nice blue, nice blue flower and stuck their hand on the, on the stove to pick that flower. <laughs> you remember that shit? I think this was one of those images. Oh, what a pretty flower. And then they jump out the window. Uh, Berlin, September 20th, Reuters. It's becoming increasingly clear to the German government. The unstable situation of Germany's biggest gas importers calls for the state's power, guarantees financial backing, two sources told Reuters on Tuesday, after reports saying that Berlin is close to agreeing to a takeover of Uniper. So what they're going to do is they're just going to use the money and the assets they seized from Russia to keep this company afloat. The sources said the government's gas levy on consumers must address whether Uniper's current situation can be solved by state funding. As news about the government taking a majority stake raised questions about the need for a levy. So there we go. This is what's happening. Moldova chooses alternatives to Russian gas. So this is um, today. This is Germany to unveil Uniper nationalization on Wednesday. So that's tomorrow. They're going to have the key deals. Uh, this is from Frankfurt. Germany is expected to unveil key details of a full nationalization of gas imported Uniper on Wednesday that is likely to include the exit of major shareholder Fordham. A person familiar with the talks said, what is Fordham? Let's find out. Well, their stock price has gone up to 12.1 euros. Fordham Oye is a Finland-based energy company. The company provides its customers with electricity, gas, heating, and cooling services. Its reportable segments are Generation, Russia, City Solutions, Consumer Solutions, and Uniper. The Generation segment comprises nuclear, hydro, wind, and thermal power generation, as well as power, portfolio uh, optimization, trading, industrial intelligence, Ooh and global nuclear services. The Russia segment comprises uh, power and heat generation and sales in Russia. Let's go to the Uniper part. Uniper segment, where Uniper is an international energy company, and its business is the secure provision of energy and related services in Europe and Russia. The company operates worldwide. So, um, Fortum, Oish, Fordham Oish is a player uh, in the Uniper family there, and they're going to be subsumed. Now, will the German government buy them out? Is that what's going to happen? So it, it looks like we're headed, at least in Europe, with a trend towards nationalization. Nationalization course, is one of the hallmarks, not only of fascism, but of socialism as well. And they uh, deemed the Third Reich the, what, 
Democratic Socialists, right? That was the name of their party. And it was indeed a version of what was happening in Russia with Stalin and uh, the uh, USSR, the Socialist Republic of Russia, right? That's what it was. United Soviet Socialist Republic, USSR. So this is a very interesting development in the mirror and echo of World War II. And it all started with the Jupiter return. So we're these, these uh, astrological and synchromistic forces and symbols are aligning, right? And they're aligning towards some kind of conflagration in Europe. That's my sense here. And everybody keeps trying to pin the tail on September 24th. And um, I did a two-hour, 40-minute show on Sunday night, and I got into uh, the details with the red heifers who have been delivered to Israel and the sacrifice of the red heifers to be burned and added to the uh, to the walls of the third temple is on the books. And we're moving into the period between uh, Rosh Hashanah and uh, Yom Kippur, the 10 days of atonement, that's all happening. And it starts to begin on September 24th. So, you know, we're, we're in the, we're in the vector now, and there's so many things that are on the table. Let's see what else do we have. We have uh, space weather, incoming object, uh, crash of the dollar, crash of the economy, the return of Elvis and uh, JFK Jr. and Princess Diana. Marilyn Monroe might show up. That's all on the books for the 24th. Uh, Camila Bowles and Tom Hanks and the Prince, uh, Charles, that is, not William. And Joe Biden, I think they all take off their masks on the 24th and they wind up looking like those people from They Live. I think I think that's that's on the books. So does Vegas have odds on this on the 24th? If you were a betting person and you had to put all your money on the 24th, so there would be a number of different bets. One would be something big happening or nothing happening. That's your red and black bet, right? That's the roulette red and black bet, which I think they fucked up because they put another thing in there. They have zero and they have double zero now. Isn't that right? So they had, they, they skewed the odds on the roulette wheel, but let's just say it's old roulette, red and black. You put money down, something happens, something doesn't happen. Then the odds go up. So what do we have at two to one? I think at two to one, uh, we have a Russian retaliation based on what's happening in Germany with the fuel, with the frozen assets. I think the Russian retaliation is three to one. Um, I think we have dollar collapse coming in 
or massive global economic collapse coming in about three to one right behind that. I think the odds are begin to get a little bit higher with incoming space object. I think we're probably about 10 to one with incoming space object. What have I left out? 15 to one alien invasion. I would say probably somewhere in there, uh, right around four to one or five to one, the slaughter of the heifers and the building of the uh, third temple, the beginning of the construction of the third temple, which sets a domino effect into motion very rapidly. So if you had to put money on something, red or black, we have either world disaster, world event. You'll remember where you were on September 24th or not. If you had to put everything on it, right? Everything. Where would you put it? And then you have the prop bets. And the odds get a little higher for the prop bets. I think 20 to 1, maybe even higher, 25, 30 to 1, would be the emergence of Princess Diana, JFK Jr., Elvis, and Marilyn Monroe showing up at the Queen's final funeral day or something. I think it's a 20 to 1 bet, maybe higher. They might stake that at, at, at about 100 to 1, maybe 1,000 to 1. I guess if you wanted to really just, you know, play a lottery ticket, that would be the one. So the other chatter before we go down some other weird rabbit holes today is that there's going to be a collapse, which does not sound so weird, uh, but the collapse will be engineered and um, we will have chaos, uh, three days, 10 days, three months, darkness, not sure which, but that's all part of it. And on the other side of it, after the forces of darkness have been routed, um, we will have a new economy. We will have a new system. We'll be more fair and just. Uh, we'll have our new energy that will be given to the people, free energy, somewhat free energy, right? The golden dream of order and enlightenment will be restored and we'll be living in a golden age on planet Earth. That is actually being talked about. That is making the rounds and the cir uh, circulation and rounds around the old internets. Uh, BlackRock goes, Vanguard goes, State Street goes, they all go. They all go belly up and we have a brand new system. However, we do have to go through some darkness and chaos as a result of that. It's a minor detail. It's a minor detail. So I have some thoughts about this. Now, we have seen how people have openly rejected Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum and the Great Reset. They have made it so objectionable that nobody wants to be a part of it. 
I mean, let's think about this. Only the most insane motherfuckers want to be a part of that thing. Speaking of which, I'm going to show you some real insanity here in a moment. They're the, they're the most insane people, only the most insane people and deranged people believe it's a good thing. Like you're not going to win over hearts and minds with that kind of a program. This is not going to happen. So as I pondered my contrarian view last night about Klaus Schwab in the World Economic Forum, I thought to myself, well, wouldn't it be easier if you provided people with a much nicer, softer, and more enlightened form of global governance? Because this is what the World Economic Forum is. It's global governance. And you've, you've essentially entrained people to believe that this is, without a doubt, the biggest and most dangerous threat to what, you know, little bit of sovereignty we have left. And people will reject it, will reject it outright. But if you set them up with that, and then you gave them this other thing that seemed much more fair, much more egalitarian, and much more enlightened, wouldn't they take that one? They say, oh, yeah, this is way better. And I do think that... Uh, if you wanted to get people on board with something like this, you, 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 you would do something like that. Or if you wanted to give people an alternative, or if somebody wanted to give people an alternative, they would just create a better deal. Because the World Economic Forum deal sucks. And people are always on the hunt for a better deal. So you just create a better deal. Would, wouldn't, would, I mean, in a, in a free and fair marketplace, wouldn't that occur? And you would think that with all the money and resources that people have, you take two, three, four people together who might have a, a shred of conscience left and they pull their resources together and say, hey, we got a better idea. This is our idea. And like, oh, wow. You mean we don't have to eat bugs? No, you don't have to eat bugs. But that's not out there. So we don't we don't even get the, the better deal. That said, they've primed the pump for everybody who is not insane to reject this. And if they slipped in a new model that seemed to be way more user-friendly, way more egalitarian, uh, way more enlightened, but had measures of control attached to it, would, would, wouldn't that be like the most strategic thing to do? Because people would jump at that. You know, this is like an experiment and you dangle Klaus Schwab and all the, you know, the bugs and the worms and you have all the, all the bug and worm pushers from Hollywood, you know, creating a phantasm in people's minds. And that's not to say that this thing isn't true. I mean, there are, you know, there are products now that have, that have crickets that are now being blended into them. And, you know, there's, so these things are happening. I'm not saying it's, it's a LARP. They are happening. 
But if I was on the side of trying to manage the planet and get people to buy off on my, my planetary management scheme, I'd create two models. It's like, well, if you're willing to take the bug model, yeah, well, we got the bug model. But you've become so repulsed by the bug model, we have another model over here for you. Feels a lot better, doesn't it? This is just how my mind works. And I think it's something that people need to be aware of. I'm just, you know, I've gotten to this point where I really don't trust any of these systems. I don't, I don't trust the systems. And it's not that I haven't got, I've always been that way. But it's, to me, I always, it's not that I don't have a sense of optimism and faith. I do, but it feels to me like it's different than whatever, whatever plan is being cooked up as an, as an alternate. And I, and, and I remember like when I first started to hear about this, that there would be this new currency and the new currency would be a gold backed digital currency. And the, the, the way that they would, um, make sure that people would not use that currency for drugs or, or anything that was lascivious, pernicious, detrimental to the uh, family of man is that all the transactions would be, would be tracked. And that if you're going to do something that the AI believed would be detrimental to the system, the AI would not allow you to make that purchase. And there are people who are what I would call enlightened people or people that are open to the truth who champion this. And I'm like, how can you do that? It's just another system of control. I don't want anybody to know what I'm spending my money on, even if it's supposedly some benevolent fucking AI. I don't, I don't need that. And that's, and that's, that's been talked about as part of this new economy. Oh, you're, you're a cartel. Sorry. You don't get to use that. You're a bad person. Where does that end? Right. Where, where does that end? Does it end with the cartel and the bad person or does it have other effects on quote unquote, the common man, right? Jill and Joe public. And this is global too, by the way, the other thing with this idea of descending into chaos and darkness is that it's talked about in a rather uh, casual manner, but let's kind of dissect that a little bit. What happens if it does descend into chaos and darkness? Have you seen what's happened to this country, who they've brought into this country? Have you seen the hordes of young gun-toting inner city males? Have, have, have you ever seen any of the videos? of these guys who live in places like Chicago and Miami and Philadelphia, Houston, East St. Louis. Have you ever seen any of these videos? 
they're pretty scary. There's there's a gang network inside this country that has been growing. It has not abated. It has been growing for a very long time. You have the infusion of the cartels. You have the uh, transference of people like MS-13, the Zetas. I mean, they're all here. They're all here. Europe has its own problems. You know, Europe has the, the sub-Saharan Africans, and they have, you know, the Afghanis or the, the Pakistanis or the Libyans. I mean, this is, and it's not, it's not the cream of the crop. So in Europe, they have no-go zones. In Sweden, they have no-go zones. I saw a, uh, an image of a nine-year-old girl who'd been almost beaten to death and raped inside of, the, and she was in the hospital. She was on life support. And it was, it was one of the country's uh, immigrants, right? That they had taken in. So what do you think happens during three days of darkness or darkness and chaos during a time like that? It's going to be fucking chaos, right? If, if this happens, if a collapse happens, this is what people have to deal with. Some places will be better than others, I'm sure. Right. But, you know, that's not really talked about. By the way, the Venezuela, the Venezuelans who wound up at Martha's Vineyard. Um, they're all recently released from prison in Venezuela. Maduro has been releasing Venezuelan prisoners and sending them to the United States. Are they really just Venezuelan prisoners? A lot of the, a lot of the people in, uh, in that tranche, of migrants, they had court dates. They found out they had court dates in here in this country that they had actually missed, which means there's a warrant out for them. The thing that I love about the whole, um, I got to put my thing back over here. I don't want to fall into the water, my cup. The thing that, that blows my mind about uh, the, uh, the whole migrant thing sending them off to uh, Martha's Vineyard is that there was a GoFundMe. <laughs> it was a GoFundMe and they raised $42,000. And then <clears throat> they said, well, we're going to use uh, the money for uh, migrant related services. And then they fucking ship them off to Cape Cod and Cape Cod uh, they shipped them to a uh, an Air Force base that was built on some kind of toxic dump site. <laughs> yeah, not in our backyard, but we'll raise a bunch of money. And uh, well, forty two thousand dollars is a lot of money. Let's be honest, but it's enough to line some pockets and have some feel good projects. And they shut that thing down before before people got wind of it. Okay, we got $42,000. Let's step away from the table. Let's step away from the table. We got our money. So apparently uh, there is, I saw this this morning, there is a plane in Florida 
that is headed to Delaware. So you might hear that these so-called migrants have shown up at Joe Biden's place. That is possible. Now, there's a philosophical question here about whether or not DeSantis and Abbott are actually trafficking humans. Because theoretically, they're not supposed to do that. They're not supposed to move them around. And I'm not taking the side of the so-called liberal government or whatever. But there there are some uh, legal questions that are being bandied about. Some, some, you know, Democratic, liberal, progressive, dipshit sheriff is now suing Ron DeSantis. He lives here in Texas. Speaking of Texas, this weekend on the 24th, I think it's the 24th, Beto, who apparently has emerged from his uh, monkeypox catastrophe crisis, will be in Austin with Liz Cheney and Pete Buttigieg. What a clown show that is. Liz Cheney out stumping for Beto. My God. I'll be in Austin this weekend. Maybe I'll swing by and bring my board. It's like Alex Jones. Um, so we're living a really, really strange time. And same with this idea that there would be darkness and chaos. Like, what do you, how do you reverse the trend? How do you reverse the trend of people who have been indoctrinated, deeply, deeply, deeply indoctrinated into a system of mind control? And the mind control that relates to things like the jab, uh, believing that they're an eggplant. Uh, you know, how do you reverse that? Do you just wipe everything out, start at zero, and then people have to live with this? Look, we are living in a time where people, and I'm watching this with the San Francisco 49ers. Trey Trey Lance got hurt. He's a quarterback. And it's really interesting to watch this massive debate and fissure in 49er land because there's a, there's a faction of the fans who believe that the coach got the player hurt on purpose and they're losing their fucking minds. They're losing their minds over a fucking football game, over a football player, over a, deeply heated debate over Jimmy Garoppolo and Trey Lance. And if they're losing their minds over a fucking football game and a quarterback or two quarterbacks, what do you think is going to happen when these people have to deal with the collapse of a system? What do you think is going to happen to the people who are looking to run and find a safe space at the slightest hint of anything difficult 
in their reality? What do you think is going to happen to them? How do you think they're going to fare? Not well. If you think we have a mental health crisis now, just wait for it. It'll be way worse, far worse. So when we think about these things that, that sound, they sound nice. They sound beautiful, wonderful. Oh, great. You know, I just have to hang in there and shine my light and, you know, eventually the white hats will take care of it. But before it happens, everything's got to go to shit. Nobody really talks about what happens when it goes to shit though. That's the part. That's the, those are the grimy details that are left out. I mean, we are so far down the line with what's happened to our societies, not just this society, but all these other societies, so far down the line that trying to turn this thing around will take generations. What do you, how do you, I mean, this is, this is, we, we're, we're living with things that are so systemically embedded and not, I'm not even talking about racism in our system that if the system collapses, that you have an entire underclass. And I'm not even talking about people who don't have a pot to piss in, although they're part of it. But we're talking about the Martha's Vineyard people. I mean, they're kind of in a weird way, part of this underclass because they identify with the oppressed. What do you do with these people? How do they make it through? a collapse. What do you do with the gangs that have been stockpiling weapons? What do you do with the cartels who are deeply embedded in this country during a collapse? When the lights go out, if they come back on, it's the place will not be the same. And you know, is that when the golden avatars from the future descend? And, and here you go. We have everything for you. Wasn't it worth it? There's some strange justifications at times. And who knows? Maybe with my limited perspective, I'm wrong. Maybe this is all part of God's plan and we have to go through 40 days and 40 nights and be like Moses' tribe and all that, you know, or how many years he was in the desert. Maybe this is all part of it. I, you know, if it does go in that direction, my feeling is that something else takes over that it has, because this whole thing, right? To me, it's all, it's still about externalization. It's still about all these other forces that are going to make the world better for us. It's just, it's just replacing theoretically one authority with another. I bet Christine is loving this talk, by the way. But I do feel that if this, this is just my psychology, cosmology, that if this does happen, then we're in like a, a stand-like environment. And then this idea of intelligent and conscious creation, you know, God, which is never absent from any of this, becomes present. And then all of a sudden, people begin to live in a very different kind of way, right? That there is this new organizing principle 
that unites us and connects us as part of a spiritual network that I think is different than this other model. But that's just me. And you can't really map that out. And I've taken some heat for this at times. It's like you won't know until it happens. And when it happens, that's when this cosmic intelligence begins to settle in. And then people begin to connect with something in a way that is separate from the reality that's been wired up here. So that's, that's where I hold the faith. That's where I hold the line because it impacts us more as individuals directly instead of waiting around until, you know, the fire stopped burning and the body count has reached its um, culmination. And then all of a sudden, you know, our new Lords and saviors step in and have the, you know, the new model for us. Anyway, that's just, these are just my thoughts. All right, let's get into some nitty gritty. I want to, there's some shit out there happening right now. These are kind of connected stories in a weird way. <laughs> so you guys are familiar with that lovely plant-based product beyond meat. The COO of Beyond Meat was arrested on Saturday in Arkansas. Doug Ramsey is arrested for allegedly biting a man's nose after Arkansas college football game. My son was at that game, by the way. Beyond Meat Chief Operating Officer Doug Ramsey was arrested this weekend after allegedly biting a man's nose in an Arkansas parking garage after a college football game. You know, the, the, so those are the Razorbacks. That's your Arkansas team. They got big snouts. Ramsey, 53, was arrested for terroristic threatening. Did you know that terroristic threatening was a law that's on the books? In third-degree battery, he has been the chief operating officer of Beyond Meat since December he previously worked for, drumroll please, Tyson Foods. There he is. That's his mugshot. There's your uh, Beyond Meat COO. Uh, Doug doesn't look very happy, does he? Let's uh, go into this story a bit here. Ramsey, 53, was charged with terroristic threatening and third-degree battery and booked in Washington County, Arkansas. Jail on Saturday evening, he was released Sunday, according to the Washington County information page. Ramsey and Beyond Meat did not immediately respond to requests for comment from CNBC. The altercation happened in the parking garage near Donald W. Reynolds Razorback Stadium in Fayetteville after University of Arkansas football game, according to a preliminary report. First reported Ramsey's arrest. Ramsey allegedly punched through the back windshield of a Subaru. The only way you can do that is if you eat meat. You think this guy, you think uh, this psychopath has a daily diet of Beyond Meat? Maybe, who knows? Maybe that's what 
cause him to punch the window. Would have made contact with the front tire of Ramsey's car. The Subaru owner then got out of his car. Ramsey allegedly started punching him and bit his nose, ripping the flesh off the tip of the nose. According to, he's a fucking cannibal. The victim and witness also alleged that Ramsey told the Subaru owner he would kill him. This is not a ringing endorsement for Beyond Meat, let me tell you. Ramsey has been the chief operating officer, operating chief of Beyond Meat since December. The food company has been facing skepticism from investors over disappointing sales. Nobody wants your shitty food. The stock has fallen 73% this year, dragging the market cap down to $1.09 billion. Just three years ago, the company was valued at $13.4 billion. How do you value a company that makes fake meat at $13 billion? Sounds like a Ponzi scheme. Before joining the maker of meat alternatives, Ramsey spent three decades at Tyson Foods, overseeing its poultry and McDonald's businesses. Look at that. Drops right off the edge there. So in a story that's perhaps might be slightly related to Beyond Meat, uh, a story that is related to Soiling Green, which is a different kind of meat, California is just the latest state to legally compost its dead. So let me just read this here. Uh, let's see what else we have. AB 351 was signed into law. Human composting as an after-death option. Wildfires, extreme drought, record heat waves reminds us that climate change is real and we must do everything we can to reduce methane and CO2 emissions. California will have a new burial option, human composition. You know, if Christina Garcia is attached to it, there's a kickback in the middle of the human compost especially since there is a five-year stretch between the signing of the law and the actual implementation. So this happens in 2027. Garcia is the genius behind California bills, which dictated the non-binary target aisle, period poverty, and stealthing. She's also one of the most corrupt members of California's assembly, and that's saying a lot. After supposedly championing the whole Me Too in the California assembly in 2018, she was accused of sexual harassment along making racist comments. Quite the package and totally on brand for the face of the Democratic supermajority. Garcia's 58th district between Southgate and Santa Fe Springs in Southern California is part of the infamous corridor of corruption. Elected officials and bureaucrats within the public utilities make it an art form to rape the taxpayers while feathering their nests. So bet your dollars to donuts that if we dig into the financial records of recompense or whatever company we're handling, this new boondoggle, we'll probably find Garcia's dirty hands all over it. The left and the right both do this, by the way. The idea of composting human remains 
has raised some ethical questions. Colorado's version of law dictates that the soil of multiple people cannot be combined without consent. The soil cannot be sold and cannot be used to grow food for human consumption. All right. California bill bans the multiple people's remains unless they're a family. <laughs> this is fucking nuts. But unlike Colorado, California is not explicitly banning the sale of the soil or its use for growing food for human consumption. The process has met opposition in California from the Catholic Church, which say the process reduces the human body to simply a disposable commodity. What do we have here? Uh, that's the company, NOR is the company. That's the name of it, right? No, uh, so here we go. NOR uses essentially the same process as a home gardening composting system. Chris and Steve, are you paying attention to this? The executive director of the California Catholic Conference, Catherine Domingo, Kathleen Domingo said in a statement, um, shared with SF Gate, she added that the process was developed for livestock, not humans. These methods of disposal were used to lessen the possibility of disease being transmitted by the dead carcass, she said. Using these same methods for the transformation of human remains can create an unfortunate spiritual, emotional, and psychological distancing from the deceased. The church also said that the process, which may lead to remains being dispersed in public locations, risk people treading over human remains without their knowledge. While repeated dispersions in the same area are tantamount to a mass grave. So here we go. We have uh, Beyond Meat and its COO accused of terroristic threats in biting off the tip of a Subaru owner's nose. And now we have California basically saying, yeah, by 2027, five years from now, we're going to spread your remains into the uh, growing fields. You can call them the killing fields of California at that point. I think they're also doing it with water too. I think bodies are being um, decom uh, decomposed and reduced to some form of viscous fluid, which is then introduced into the non-potable water systems so that they can be used to keep crops alive. Isn't this just so efficient? So efficient. But we do have a good story today, and I do want to leave you on a good story. And uh, it happens to do, it happens to deal uh, with this nutbag, uh, Don Lemon. Let me see if I can find it right here. So Don Lemon decided to, by the way, Don Lemon is, is being decommissioned. He's being moved to some kind of a daytime talk show. So Don Lemon decided to lob this idea of reparations that are associated with uh, the royal family, the queen, the jewels, all that colonialized booty that was stolen. So Don Lemon wasn't prepared for the uh, answer that he got here. So um, 
Who's he talking to? Ford Witch. Hillary Ford Witch. Nice neck there, Hillary. That's a big, thick neck. Look at Don Lemon's little skinny pencil neck. And look at this linebacker neck. All right, here we go. Let's listen to what uh, Hillary has to say. Well, this is coming when, you know, there's all of this wealth and you hear about it comes as England is facing rising costs of living, a living crisis, austerity budget cuts, and so on. And then you have those who are asking uh, for reparations for colonialism, and they're wondering, you know, $100 billion, $24 billion here and there, $500 million there. Some people want to be paid back, and, uh, and members of the public are wondering, why are we suffering when you are, you know, you have all of this vast wealth? Those are legitimate concerns. Well, I think you're right about reparations in terms of if people want it, though, what they need to do is you always need to go back to the beginning of a supply chain. Where was the beginning of the supply chain? That was in Africa. And when across the entire world, when slavery was taking place, which was the first nation in the world that abolished uh, slavery? The first nation in the world to abolish it. It was started by William Wilberforce, was the British. In in Great Britain, they abolished slavery. 2,000 naval men died on the high seas trying to stop slavery. Why? Because the African kings were rounding up their own people. They had them on cages waiting in the beaches. No one was running into Africa to get them. And I think you're totally right. If reparations need to be paid, we need to go right back to the beginning of that supply chain and say, who was rounding up their own people and having them handcuffed in cages? Absolutely, that's where they should start. And maybe, I don't know, the descendants of those families where they died at the, in the high seas trying to stop the slavery, that those families should receive something too, I think, at the same time. It's an interesting discussion, Hillary. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. <laughs> He didn't have a lot to say, did he? He's going to have a lot less to say. Uh, CNN uh, begins to transition out of their weaponized and woke programming because they're not making any money. Ship is going down and they're all, all the rats are jumping ship or being forced off the ship. Who knows what, what, what the future of uh, the, uh, government-controlled or Intel-controlled network. Who knows what they'll do next? Frankly, I really don't care. Um, I think that's it for today. We'll be back tomorrow. And some I have some ideas about things that we can go over tomorrow. Uh, an idea that has been circulating around in my head for uh, the last, mm, I don't know, week or so. And maybe we'll flush it out tomorrow. And it has to do with the passing of the queen and a new reality that is being promoted and marketed in the absence of her Royal Highness. So until then, use your head in order to discern what's real, your heart to stay open to what's possible. And remember, you are the agent of your own reset. The great reset happens inside of you. That's right. You are the great reset. Don't ever forget it. Chetari, I love you. I'll see you guys tomorrow. Bye for now.